morning. The reading today is from 1 John, chapter 4, verses 7 to 12. 1 John, chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Such a joy to baptise Lydia today. What can we hope and pray for her? One thing we can surely pray for her is love, that she'll know that she is loved, both by us and, more importantly, by God. Tim and Izzy have chosen today's Bible reading, and it's the same one that they had in their wedding 10 years ago. It's all about love. Three things to show you about love from this passage. The origin of love, the power of love, and the demonstration of love. Firstly then, the origin of love, verses seven and eight. Dear friends, verse seven, says the apostle John, the writer of this letter. The apostles were Jesus's authorized spokesmen. Dear friends, he says, let us love one another, for love comes from God. What is the origin of love? It comes from God. Christopher Ashe is a well-known minister and writer. Christopher reflects on how the reality of God is seen in Christian marriages. He says this, some years ago, a dispute arose in Britain between the Foreign Office and the Treasury. The argument was about which British ambassadors would be provided with a Rolls-Royce for their official duties in a foreign capital. The Treasury, unsurprisingly, wanted these wonderful cars restricted to a few, perhaps Washington, Moscow, and Paris. The Foreign Office argued for many more, based on the following reasoning. Most people in a foreign capital have never been to Britain, they said, but when they see these magnificent cars gliding through the streets with the United Kingdom flag on the front, they'll say to themselves, I haven't been to Britain, I don't know much about Britain, but if they make cars like that there, then Britain must be a wonderful place. In a similar way, it's Christ's hope that when men and women say to themselves, that men and women may say to themselves as they watch a Christian marriage, I've never seen God. Sometimes I wonder 
when I look at the world, if God is good or if there is a God. But if he can make a man and a woman love one another like this, if he can make this husband show costly faithfulness through sickness as well as health, if he can give him resources to love his wife with Christ-like sacrifice, well then, he must be a good God. And if Christ can give this wife grace to submit so beautifully with such an attractive spirit, then again, he must be a good God. The quality of Tim and Izzy's marriage points to the reality of God. For the Apostle John then, love comes from God. That's why we should love one another. When we love as Christians, it shows that we've been born of God and know God, verse 7. In other words, when we demonstrate Christian love, it points to the reality of God's love. What does it mean to be born of God? Jesus coined the phrase born again. This is found in John's Gospel, chapter 3. John now alludes to it. The only way we can truly know the love of God is if we are born of God or born again. The Bible is very honest with us. If we don't know God, we're spiritually dead. We cannot experience God. Prayer is a non-starter. We cannot hear God's voice. When we are born of God, God comes to us and gives us spiritual life makes us spiritually alive and puts his love deep within us. Tim and Izzy have had this experience. It would be hopeless moralism for the Apostle John to teach us to love if God did not first put his love into our hearts. Verse 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. It's impossible to love in the way that God directs if we don't know God. But God is love. That's an amazing statement. Not just that God is loving, but God is love. Love is essential to who God is. That's one of the reasons why we believe in the Trinity. God is a relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This means that even before the creation of people, God was and is love. God was perfectly loving within himself. The Trinity were loving one another long before the creation of the world. The Trinity have always loved one another. Therefore, God is love. Our prayer for Lydia today is that she will come to know God, who is the origin of love. Secondly, the power of love, verses 9 and 10. If you've seen the film Back to the Future... You'll be familiar with Huey Lewis and the news song, The Power of Love. The Power of Love, you may remember, 
is a curious thing. Makes one man weep, makes another man sing. Change a hawk to a little white dove. More than a feeling, that's the power of love. Except that the world's concept of romantic love is ultimately unsatisfying. You have to go beyond the feeling of being in love if you want to make a lasting marriage. God's love is much more dependable than mere romantic love. Verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. God loves the world. God made the world. God loves the world. God sees the mess that we've made of his world, and he does something about that. He sends his one and only son into the world. Jesus, who is God, leaves the glory of heaven. He comes to be born in poverty. He lives a perfect and simple life. He shows us how to live. Finally, he dies on a cross to take the punishment for our sin. This means that we can be forgiven for everything we've ever done wrong and ever will do wrong. This is how God showed his love among us. God doesn't just say, I love you. Love you. Those words are easy to say. God substantiates his love. Verse 10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is love. Here is love demonstrated. Not that we loved God. By nature, we don't. By nature, we rebel against God and reject his rule in our lives. We're happy to enjoy living in God's world, but without giving God any of the honour he deserves. Love is not that we loved God, but that he loved us. God took the initiative. God broke into time and space. He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What does that mean? God is holy. God is without sin. And we are sinful people. We sin pretty much every day. We do and say and think wrong things. We fail to do good things. We are sinful people. And because God is holy, he must judge our sin. He can't just sweep sin under the carpet. It really matters to God. That puts us in a serious situation. We've sinned and we're under the judgment of God. We will face a day of judgment when God can only issue the verdict, guilty. We are guilty of sin. 
God punishes sin. But God is love. In his love, God loves to rescue sinners from the hell that awaits us. So he does something amazing. He enters our world in the person of Jesus. And on the cross, Jesus pays the price for our sin. Jesus is punished for our sin. This means that God's justice is satisfied. God has punished sin. We have escaped the punishment. Jesus has taken our punishment. God has paid the price of sin. We can be completely forgiven and know that we're going to heaven. The judge has come down from his bench and paid the fine to set the prisoner free. This is what we pray for Lydia, that she will accept the free offer of God's forgiveness based on what Jesus has done for her. And that's what we long for everyone here this morning. We've not loved God, but God has loved us. God now offers forgiveness, a fresh start, a new birth. What will you do with God's offer? Will you say, thank you very much. I would indeed like to be forgiven. Or will you reject the offer and say, I'll take my chances on the day of judgment? That would be a very foolish response. So we've seen the origin of love. Love comes from God, who is love. We've seen the power of love. God's love is powerful to forgive us and set us free from our sin. Now thirdly, the demonstration of love, verses 11 and 12. How is the world to know that God's love is real? Well, we as Christians are to demonstrate that love to the world. When I was suffering from depression some years ago, my GP said to me, why are you depressed? You work with the nicest people in the town. It's wonderful that this non-Christian GP had this impression of Christians. A friend of mine visited church for the first time and said to me, I've never met so many lovely people. That's wonderful. That's how it should be. We don't always manage it. Sometimes we allow our selfishness to take over. But by and large, there is a love in the church that you will not find anywhere else. There have been high-profile scandals for which we grieve. But every day, millions of Christians get on with the simple task of loving others. This is what the Apostle John expects of Christians, verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, 
God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. It's a problem that no one has ever seen God. On the other hand, we can't see the wind. We just see its effects. Jesus said the work of God is like the wind in John 3. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effect of the wind. In the same way, we can't see God, but we can see the effect of God in people's lives. If we love one another, that demonstrates the reality of God's love to the world. God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. If you're a non-Christian, can you see God's love being made complete in your Christian friends? If you are a Christian, are you living up to this standard? That's why it's so wrong for Christians to give way to selfishness. We're to be the demonstration of God's love to the world. We can only mourn and repent of our own sins when we see the Christian church failing to live up to this standard. That's tragic. But my experience of Christians during my 48 years has been that there's a quality of love in the church that you do not find in the world. So, the origin of God's love, the power of God's love, the demonstration of God's love. What will you do with God's love? Will you welcome God into your life? Or will you reject his love? Maybe this is all very new to you. You want to work out whether God is real whether the Christian gospel is true. Can I encourage you to keep coming to church, keep listening to the teaching, keep asking questions? Perhaps you'd like to join us at an Exploring Christianity course. Come and learn the basics of the faith and look at the evidence for why the Christian, Christian faith is true. In particular, Come and look at the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. Don't dismiss Christianity until you've looked at the evidence. But maybe you've been considering these things for quite some time and you are ready to commit your life to Jesus. You're ready to say to Jesus, I believe you are God. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I have broken God's law. I do need forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, that you took the punishment for my sin, that I might be completely forgiven and put right with God. I turn away from my sin. I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. Please be in charge of my life. If you're ready to pray a prayer along those lines, do speak to one of us afterwards, and we'd be delighted to help you take your first steps as a Christian. And if you are a Christian here this morning, don't forget that we're to demonstrate the reality of God's love 
to the world. Don't give in to selfishness. Dear friends, let us love one another. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God grant us to do it. Amen.